Let us walk and touch peace every moment. Let us walk and touch happiness every moment. Each step brings a fresh breeze. Each step makes a flower bloom under our feet. Let us kiss the earth with our feet. Come, let us worship together. Welcome to First Unitarian Church in Albuquerque. I'm Bob Lavalley. I'm the associate minister here, and I'm really happy to be here with our interim minister, Matt Pargeter Villarreal, and our worship leader, Judy Gehring. Our director of religious education, Mia Norin, is presenting the time for all ages today, and Reverend Angela is taking a well-deserved day off. And we're so fortunate to have today's guest musician, Lowell Burton Jr. He's seen, we've seen him before. He's a California native, now living in Albuquerque. He brings soul, R&B, gospel, and jazz music together in his singing and his songwriting. And Lowell, by the way, is, Lowell is also a talented graphic artist. So thank you so much for sharing your gifts today, Lowell. We so appreciate it. And if you're visiting us, maybe it's your first or second time, you are invited to put your name and your location in the chat so we can give you a warm welcome because we're really glad that you're here. Judy has an announcement for us. Well, good morning, everybody. Fourth Sunday at four o'clock, our Zoom open mic will convene today, February 27th. All singers and players, poets, storytellers, and visual artists are welcome to share their art with an appreciative audience. Visual artists, you can narrate a video showing drawings, paintings, photographs, or fiber arts. You can share live on Zoom or submit a video ahead of time. If you're interested or have questions, please contact Susan Peck, our music director. Our chalice lighting this morning, we light this chalice for renewal of our faith is from Reverend Suzelle Lynch. Each time we light the chalice, we renew our commitment to our Unitarian Universalist faith. With the spark of a match, we make it new again, as fresh and surprising as the first day we encountered this spiritual community and realized we were home. We light this chalice for renewal of our faith. There is more love somewhere. There is more love somewhere. I'm gonna keep on till I find it. There is more love somewhere. There is more joy somewhere. There is more joy somewhere. Gonna keep on till I find it. There is more love somewhere. There is more peace somewhere. There is more peace somewhere. Find it. There is more peace 
somewhere there is more hope somewhere there is more hope somewhere I'm gonna keep on till I find it there is more hope somewhere I'm Isla Rose. Please join me in the children's affirmation. We are Unitarian Universalists. We are people of faith with open minds, loving hearts, and helping hands. Let us pause the chat for a few moments during the meditation and prayer. As we transition into this time of meditation amidst all of the anxieties and uncertainties of the world outside our church walls, let these words from Leslie Ahuva Fails, a UU minister at the Fellowship in Fairbanks, Alaska, be your source of comfort in this moment. Spirit of life who changes with us, the ground beneath us is shifting, for some of us gently, for others in seismic waves. Remind us of the steadfast presence of a love greater than ourselves, as constant as the stars, even when it is obscured from view. As we now find a comfortable position to observe this silent meditation together, take a moment to center yourselves by focusing on the rhythm of your breath. And once that familiar pattern is established, take a moment to envision love, to envision compassion, whatever that looks like to you or whatever you imagine that looking like. And take that image and imagine it radiating out from your core, out beyond the church walls to the greater world community that we inhabit and comforting everyone that it comes into contact with. As we hold on to that image, let us observe this moment together in sacred silence.
Our church is a welcoming community where we find connection, a spiritual community where we find meaning. Our church is a sharing community where our joys are amplified, a caring community where our sorrows are lessened. We take this moment to reflect on our joys and sorrows and acknowledge the mutual support of our community. Please type in the chat box, first your joys and then your sorrows. If you're unable to write in the chat box, please email the church at caring at uuabq.org. And may we remember those who have spoken, those they have named, and those who hold in silence in our hearts.
Will you pray with me? Sustaining mystery in existence since the beginning of time that holds us in life and love, we welcome your warm embrace. In our moments of uncertainty, in our moments of confusion, in all of the many emotions that arise throughout our journey through this earthly life, we seek you and come to you to help us see through. We notice and celebrate all of the wonderful joys that come across our lives from the mundane to the grandiose, things like love and support from friends, making new friends, birthdays, reunions, both Zoom and in person, poetry, music, and vacations. We also lean on you especially to help bring healing to the midst of our broken world. Our hearts are especially with the people of Ukraine and the catastrophic events that are going on in that country. As we invoke your presence with us, may your presence be with them as well. And may the horrors of war never be stronger than the promise and reality of peace. We remember those in our community closer to home. We remember Bruce Little, who is recovering in Rio Rancho, and also for Martin Malecki, who is scheduled for spinal surgery on March 8th. We also remember all of the unhoused in our community during this period of colder temperatures. We also remember all of those individuals and families who are struggling with various forms of addiction. May all of those on our mind and in our hearts, those that we express or those that we hold on to in silence be kept safe. All of these we lift up to the great powers of healing and renewal known by many names. May all of this ever continue to be so. Amen and blessed be. And peace be with you. The dream passes by the window. This is a lullaby from Ukraine. The dream passes by the window and sleep by the fence. The dream asks sleep, where should we rest tonight? cottage is warm, where the baby is tiny, there we will go and rock the child to sleep. There we will sleep and we will sing to the child. Sleep, sleep my little falcon, sleep my little dove. It's all, oh, love you, God. 
Thank you. That was beautiful. Our reading this morning, Walking Meditation from Call Me by My True Names, the collected poetry of Technakan. Take my hand. We will walk. We will only walk. We will enjoy our walk without thinking of anything anywhere. Walk peacefully. Walk happily. Our walk is a peace walk. Our walk is a happiness walk. Then we learn that there is no peace walk. The peace is the walk. That there is no happiness walk. The hat happiness is the walk. We walk for ourselves. We walk for everyone always hand in hand Walk and touch peace every moment. Walk and touch happiness every moment. Each step brings a fresh breeze. Each step makes a flower bloom under our feet. Kiss the earth with your feet. Print on earth your love and happiness. Earth will be safe when we feel in us enough safety. When I did my introductions today, I neglected to thank our indispensable tech team. How could I do that? So let me do that now. Our DJ today is our tech arts director, Chris Paul, and our tech team is Barry Clark from the Socorro branch of our congregation and Michaela Renz-Whitmore, and Erica Johnson-Jimenez. And my apologies for missing it the first time. We are so grateful to you. Let's preach now, how about? The mindfulness is the miracle by which we master and restore ourselves. Mindfulness is the miracle by which we master and restore ourselves. So said the Buddhist teacher Thich Nhat Hanh. Thich Nhat Hanh was born in Vietnam in 1926, when Vietnam was still a French colony. He was part of a large family. He grew up witnessing the injustice and suffering caused by French colonial rule. When he was about nine, he saw a magazine cover. It was a Buddhist magazine. And on the cover was this peaceful image of Buddha sitting in the grass, just chilling like Buddha does, smiling and at ease. And it was such a contrast to what Thich Nhat Hanh saw every day that he was captivated. He eventually started Zen Buddhist study at a monastery when he was 16. 
it's really important to understand that the way that his practice of Buddhism was shaped by the events going on around him. For example, life in the monastery when he first started studying was reasonably serene, but the country itself was occupied by Japan from 1940 to 1945. And in 1945, there was a great famine in Vietnam where people were just dying in the streets and trucks were driving around just picking up and carrying away corpses. French had returned in 1945, but things just got worse. Among the young monks, the other Buddhist monks, there were many who were tempted to take up arms and join the Marxist movement to take back the country. That's pretty extreme given the Buddhist mandate of nonviolence. So on the other hand, Thich Nhat Hanh was convinced that Buddhism could truly help relieve suffering in society and offer a nonviolent path to peace and prosperity and independence from colonizing powers. The problem was that Buddhism in Vietnam at the time had become institutional and inward facing. Thich Nhat Hanh knew that Buddhism could only make change if it changed itself. So he continued to study, but meanwhile a civil war broke out between the French colonizers and the Viet Minh who were the guerrilla fighters fighting against the French colonizers. This war would go on from 1946 to 1954, and there'd be 50,000 people would die in the fighting. The temples were not apart from this. Revolutionaries would take refuge in the temples, and many monks, including some of Thich Nhat Hanh's friends, were shot and killed. The French would raid the temples looking for resistance fighters, and they would take all of their food. Now, despite the chaos, during that time, Thich Nhat Hanh discovered progressive Buddhist magazines, which explored ideas for a socially conscious Buddhism. This was Buddhism that was concerned not only with transforming the mind, but also with the wider conditions in society, including economics and the political roots of poverty, oppression and war. And again, this was a departure from what Buddhism had become in Vietnam. While he was studying in Saigon, he also took up poetry and in 1950, he continued his mix of Buddhism and activism when he published a book about Buddhism and Marx and Engels. He's again trying to make Buddhism relevant to the present moment and political situation. The war finally ended in 1954 and Vietnam was divided into two. The North became communist and the South soon became anti-communist and the South was supported by the US because the US feared communism so much at the time. The separation of the country continued the disruption and chaos that was happening. Huge numbers of people were migrating from the north to the south. At the same time, Thich Nhat Hanh had emerged as a leader in Buddhist thought in Vietnam. He was publishing articles, starting a school that had Marxist ideals for the next generation of monks and nuns. His public writings were often written under a pseudonym which allowed him to be very critical of the leadership of the South Vietnamese government. So in 1955, the South Vietnam re regime began to consolidate power. Their leader was Catholic and Catholics were explicitly favored while Buddhists were marginalized This is by the government. The elections were not free and the government with encouragement from the United States made them less so, they became more oppressive. 
So it's not a surprise that in 1956, Han began thinking about creating a monastic community in a remote part of Vietnam, far away from things. And with the help of other monks, he opened a center called Fragrant Palm Leaves. Fragrant Palm Leaves. That was the name of his, his, his center. It was way out in the country. You know, and although these kinds of like remote centers are really common now, for example, we have Upaya up in New Mexico, northern New Mexico, and Tassajara in the middle of nowhere in California. Back then, the idea of a rural practice center was very different from the traditional Buddhist temple that would be in the middle of the city and have rituals and ceremonies and really be busy. These rural centers created an environment exclusively dedicated to spiritual practice, to study, healing, to music, to poetry, and to community building. And they enjoyed sitting meditation in the morning, early mornings, tea meditation in the afternoons, sitting meditation in the evenings. So fragrant palm leaves became a prototype for the practice centers that Thich Nhat Hanh would eventually create all over the world by the end of the century. Now, around this time, Thich Nhat Hanh experienced a series of personal and professional setbacks, and I don't have time to get into it, but he got really sick. He was hospitalized for a month in Saigon, and he just couldn't get better. But one day, Thich Nhat Hanh had the intuition that if he could only master his full awareness and breathe, of breathing and walking, he might be able to truly heal. So as a young monk, Thich Nhat Hanh had studied the principle of counting and following the breath, and he trained in, in formal slow walking meditation. But, if they, but at that time, Buddhist institutes in Vietnam did not teach an applied meditation practice for personal healing. There was only meditation theory, all theoretical. So because he was so miserable, Thich Nhat Hanh created for himself a healing way to meditate. He combined his breath and steps with the walking, and instead of counting only breath, he counted the steps in harmony with the breath. And this worked for him. He got much, much better. He healed. And walking meditation, that kind of integrated walking meditation is now a huge practice. In fact, while I was in Afghanistan, I would do it with a group of people that I would meditate with in this church on the base. So let's practice what we preach a little bit or practice what Thich Nhat Hanh preached a little bit. We're going to pause the story now to do one of Thich Nhat Hanh's guided meditations. Just a brief one. So find a comfortable position, whatever you got to do. What works for your body today? Turn your attention to your breath. Maybe you want to close your eyes or sort of half close them, whatever's comfortable for you. I'm going to talk you through this, some thoughts you might have. Breathing in. I know I'm breathing in. Breathing out, I know I'm breathing out. In, out. Breathing in, I notice that my breathing has become deep. Breathing out, I notice that my breathing has become slow. Deep, slow. Breathing in, 
I calm my body and my mind. Breathing out, I ease everything. Calm, ease. Breathing in, I smile. Nothing is as important as my peace, my joy. I smile to everything, even to my sufferings, to my difficulties. Breathing out, I release, I let go. This is a practice of freedom. Smile, release. Breathing in, I establish myself in the present moment. Breathing out, I realize it is a wonderful moment. Present moment, wonderful moment. That's the end of the meditation. Isn't that nice? How gentle it is. Hmm. All right, let's get back to Thich Nhat Hanh's story. In Vietnam, in the early 1960s, Thich Nhat Hanh founded the School of Youth and Social Service. And that was a grassroots relief organization based on the Buddhist principles of nonviolence and compassionate action. They had 10,000 volunteers in Vietnam. Then in 1961, Thich Nhat Hanh traveled to the United States on a scholarship to study comparative religion at Princeton Theological Seminary. And the following year, he went on to teach and research Buddhism at Columbia University. At the same time, after years of tacit support for the South Vietnamese government, in 1965, the U.S. sent ground troops into Vietnam. The war was on in earnest. Would Vietnam ever get a break? So because of that, in 1966, Thich Nhat Hanh traveled to the U.S. and Europe to make the case for peace and to call for an end of hostilities in Vietnam. It was during this trip that he first met Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who nominated him for a Nobel Peace Prize in 1967. He also met other anti-war leaders like the Berrigan brothers. But because of this trip, both North and South Vietnam denied him the right of return to Vietnam, and he was not able to return for 39 years. The war ended in 1975 when the North Vietnamese army took control of South Vietnam. And there was a refugee crisis where Vietnamese folks took to boats in the Gulf of Siam fleeing the North Vietnamese. And you may remember the boat people being uh, on the news back then. At the time, Thich Nhat Hanh was in Singapore attending a conference so he stayed there to, to organize a secret rescue operation. With help from people in France and the Netherlands and other European countries, he hired a boat to bring food and water and medicine to refugees in the sea. And sympathetic fishermen who had rescued the boat people would call up his team and they'd shuttle the refugees to the French embassy in Singapore in the middle of the night. They'd help them climb the fence over into the compound. So the next morning they would be caught in the French embassy and handed over to the French police, but they were placed in relative safety of detention compared to where they were coming from. So when the Singapore government discovered this clandestine network, uh, the police actually surrounded Thich Nhat Hanh's office and pounded the passports of everybody involved, gave them 24 hours to leave the country. 
Uh, and it was only with the intervention of the French ambassador that they were given 10 days to wind down their rescue operations. But it's indicative of how he practiced what he was preaching. And after he traveled all over the place, bringing the message of peace to anywhere that he would listen, in 1982, he founded a community in France dedicated to his socially engaged vision of, of Buddhism. And that community, you may have heard of it, was called Plum Village. He went on to open monasteries in California and New York, Vietnam, Paris, Hong Kong, Thailand, Mississippi, Germany, and Australia, all over. Over the course of his life, he published many books, including The Miracle of Mindfulness, which is an absolute classic of meditation teaching. The Miracle of Mindfulness. If you read one book by him, read The Miracle of Mindfulness. He had an enormous influence on bringing meditation practices and Buddhism to the West, and helping folks understand that the practice of Buddhism wasn't a retreat from everyday life. It was an embrace of everyday life and an engagement in the suffering of others. So Thich Nhat Hanh passed just a month ago, just a month ago he died at his home temple in Vietnam. The legacy he leaves behind is just huge and his impact will be felt honestly for generations to come. As I said, Thich Nhat Hanh's faith was shaped by the times that he was in. He didn't want to be a part of a religion that ignored the present, so he changed that religion. And it moves me to ask, how is our Unitarian Universalist faith shaped by the times that we are in, these extraordinary times that we are in? And what do we need to do, what do we need to change about how we do Unitarian Universalism to meet this moment and the moments that we see coming. Well, the next time you hear me preach, which will be in two weeks, I'm going to address that exact question. So that's, that's another sermon entirely. Thich Nhat Hanh in particular and Buddhism in general teach a core concept that you use will find familiar. He coined the term interbeing, one word, interbeing. Interbeing is the way in which everything inter is with everything else. Thich Nhat Hanh taught his students to look with the eyes of interbeing, to see that there cannot be a sheet of paper without clouds and forests and rain. There cannot be a mother or father without daughter or son. Everything coexists, he wrote. To be is to interbe. You cannot just be by yourself alone. You have to interbe with every other thing. End of quote. For us Unitarian Universalists who affirm our seventh principle, that is the, we affirm the interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part. For us, we can only say amen. Now, this, our church, is a meditating church. You may remember a couple of years ago, we had a service where we invited people to place a sticky note on the wall at the back of the sanctuary that described their spiritual practices. Remember that? It feels like 100 years ago. All the sticky notes made a giant chalice, and there were hundreds of them. And after the service, I went through each one and sorted them into groups, trying to get an understanding of this congregation. I was pretty new then. And the thing I learned is that a lot of people in this congregation say that meditation is one of their core spiritual practices. And the interesting thing to me is that I suspect that the majority of congregants, of our congregants, didn't grow up in households 
where meditation was the norm. Rather, they came into meditation at some point in their adult lives. For me, who grew up in a very Roman Catholic high school a household, my path to meditation started when I got into martial arts in college. And at the time, I just saw meditation as a way to help me to get better at pummeling my opponents. You know, it's funny how the martial arts have faded away in my life, but meditation remains one of my core spiritual practices. So how is it that so many of us got into meditation when that was not our upbringing? Well, in the last 50 years, Buddhism has moved from being on the fringe to being very mainstream across all the West. And Thich Nhat Hanh played a big part of that. It's because of leaders like him who brought meditation from the East to West. It's because of them that we all had easy access to meditation and instruction when we were ready to hear it. This had a big influence on the culture in general. When Thich Nhat Hanh died, Rebecca Solnit, who's one of my favorites, she wrote an essay about the role of Buddhism in changing the larger culture. I want to quote from this. She wrote, we are not who we were very long ago. A lot of new ideas have emerged from Buddhism and other traditions, emphasizing kindness and compassion, equality and egalitarianism, nonviolence, and critical perspectives on materialism and capitalism, and the practice of awareness. These ideas constitute a shift in what we ask of ourselves and others. And she continues, this, new, this river of new ideas is a confluence of many other tributaries of feminism and anti-racism and ecological ideas. And he has as one of its key principles, a vision that everything is connected. Of course, not everyone has changed. BIPOC people in the US are far from achieving equality by most measures. And many of these ideas exist more as aspirations than everyday practices. But none of this means that ideas and ideals don't matter. And the backlash by the right is a backlash against suffering that they see as transformative and threatening. End quote. I agree. I think Buddhism has made us a more compassionate society. And I'm grateful for that, even as, even as we have much, much farther to go. Let's finish with another and one small, another small practice as taught by Thich Nhat Hanh. I feel really humbled to put his words in my mouth. But, you know, one of his primary teachings is the idea that when we practice mindfulness, we should do it with a half smile on our face, regardless of how we feel. And Thich Nhat Hanh argues that it's harder to stay upset or impatient when you have that half smile on your face. And he wrote, learn to smile as a Buddha smile. You can do it. Why wait until you become a Buddha? Be a Buddha right now, at this very moment. So I invite you to form a half smile and get in a comfortable position as I lead us in this excerpt from his book, Nourishing Positive Emotions. Let's find that comfortable position. Breathing in. I experience calm in me. Breathing out, I smile to the calm in me. Breathing in, I experience joy in me. Breathing out, I smile to the joy in me. Breathing in, 
I experience equanimity in me. Breathing out, I smile to the equanimity in me. Breathing in, I experience openness in me. Breathing out, I smile to the openness in me. Breathing in, I experience happiness in me. Breathing out, I smile to the happiness in me. May we all be happy. Blessed be. The purpose of the church is to encourage all who gather there to grow more generous in spirit and in action. This is the great end of all the world's faith traditions, to bring the human being closer to the divine by acts of creation and compassion. The change for the future recipient for December, January, and February is in Centro. In Central's mission is to transform New Mexico into a thriving community for all of its residents. They do that by encouraging with Latino immigrants, families in education and career development opportunities that build skills for economic and social justice. And Central is committed to the belief that quality education should build both individual and community knowledge. And with that knowledge comes individual and community power. You can make an offering online by clicking on the link that we'll put in the chat box. And if you prefer not to give online, you can simply mail a check to the church and include change for the future on the memo line. We now take an offering that allows us to exercise that all important generosity of spirit an offering that will support the self-supporting church and its many ministries. The gifts of the congregation will most gratefully be received. May I be filled with loving kindness May I be well, may I be filled with loving kindness, may I be
given in generosity is received in gratitude. Thank you on behalf of First Unitarian Church of Albuquerque and our Change for the Future recipient, Encuentro. If you would like to spend some time after the service chatting with your fellow sibling congregants, and we would love it if you would, please stay on after the credits and you will be placed into one of our breakout rooms. To get the conversation started, here is a discussion question to consider. What is something that you can do in your own power to help bring about change and peace? What is something that you can do in your own power to help bring about change and peace? But first, before we extinguish our chalice, we're going to go ahead and take part in something that has become a tradition here at First Unitarian. It is our Pacham greeting. Let's go ahead and navigate your screens to gallery view. Look at all of the wonderful smiling faces back at you. And go ahead and place one hand over your heart and extend the other one out to the gallery, making eye contact with people as is comfortable. Let us share a moment of connection together. Let's extinguish our chalices here and at home. The earth will be safe when we feel in us enough safety. Go in peace and practice radical love. <laughs> 